This Bank of America Roval 400 DFS Picks Edition of the NASCAR Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Game Time. Snag the tickets without the stress. Use promo code SGPN on your first purchase to save $20. Download the Game Time app and use promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has just added Pick'em Scorchers where you can win one. 100 times. That's right. Turn $5 into 500 in one game. Plus, every Sunday, they're giving away $100,000. Use promo code SGPN at Underdog Fantasy for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Finally, we're brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbet.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off of your first month and start making smarter bets today. Drivers, start your in and pull those belts up tight as the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presents the NASCAR Gambling Podcast. I'll wreck my mom to win a championship. I'll wreck your mom to win a championship. With all the news and the best bets for your NASCAR weekend. It refrains me from not beating the out of you right now because you ask me stupid questions but since i'm on probation i suppose that that's uh, improper to say as well if you could talk about racing things we could talk about racing now here are your hosts rod via gomez and cody zeeb We are here. Yes, both of us are here. It's the NASCAR Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He's Cody Zeeb, as I've just brought him in. Again, watch YouTube, folks. You guys are missing out on some of this fun little behind-the-scenes stuff if you're not watching on YouTube. But he's Cody Zeeb. I'm Rod Gomez, hanging it with you on a Friday for DFS. And, uh, yeah, back on the Roval, which Cody re- informed me the other day that will be appearing again in the schedule. And I... Hate it, but whatever, Cody. <laughs> yep, it's uh, it's not going away. Yeah, we talked. If you missed uh, yesterday's Xfinity show, definitely go back and listen to that for sure. But uh, yeah, we talked about that as there had been a lot of rumors, and and when we recorded the Cup show, it was kind of like, well, maybe uh, the role was going away. This might be the last time. We'd heard some rumors that it was like Dale Jr. was saying he he heard it was going away. Some other people were saying, ah, oh, we've heard that that Marcus Smith really wants to keep it, and he really likes it, and and it's still here. So here we are. <laughs> boo. Boo, I say boo. I, and it's not that I'm not a fan of, obviously, road course racing, but I just want to get rid of this hybrid stuff. Like, even at Indy, even at Charlotte, I don't want this stuff anymore. I, I said it yesterday. Ovals are not meant to be road courses. And, and I understand the concept behind it. I thought, okay, this is kind of neat, but it's played its course. I'm done. I, I'm ready for us I, to go back to either regular road courses or just straight ovals. Yeah, I don't mind it. I, I just the the reason I wouldn't want it is because I would want a second Charlotte oval date. And when they switch it to the Roval, a mile and a half racing at the time wasn't very great. And I was like, okay, good idea. This is a good way for them to keep the second date and and to change it up. It's something different, right? Something you know. I mean, and they did it there in Daytona, so it was kind of something we were using a couple of places. That was during the whole COVID thing, and we were limited. We couldn't go to Sonoma. We couldn't do some other stuff. So it was like, okay, great idea, great to fill in. 
maybe it's run its course. I again, I think we're going to see, and it's going to be like we've said it. This is going to be an action-packed race, and so you know, depending on the results, we'll see. But like the good race poll is probably going to be pretty good. People are going to like it. It's going to be a lot of talking. We're going to come in and be like, "Holy shit, that was crazy!" But it was so exciting, and and that's likely how it's going to go. And they like it. TV likes it, obviously. So that's probably part of the reason it stayed. But yeah, with the mile and a half package being so good right now and, and doing so well in this car and we had a great race the coca-cola 600 it's like give us another one of those but then you also consider you know montreal was was close to making the schedule right that was the last thing that was holding everything up that's going to be a road course they weren't able to do that so was that part of the factor in that okay we still want so many road courses so let's keep the roval then instead of maybe if we would have gotten montreal and not went to iowa maybe charlotte goes back to being an oval then because We've got that balance of, of road courses to ovals. I don't know, but who knows? Here we are anyways. I would have much rather seen Montreal. I mean, obviously, our time watching F1, we know that, that you know, the course over there is just beautiful. That's the same course that we're going to run on, right? I, I Yeah, I believe yeah. it's – yeah, I believe so. And, and um, Xfinity's been there before. Yeah. Um, the Cup, Cup, I don't think, has done anything there in the past. But, yeah, I, I why that didn't work out, I don't know. Obviously, glad – Iowa's going to be on there because obviously that's it's right here in the Midwest and it's a great facility and everything. But yeah, uh, again, that that could have been a factor into why Charlotte stayed with the the Roval instead of going back to the Oval. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but of course, we are talking about DFS today. We have already gone through. If you haven't already, go through our betting shows, the Cup and the Xfinity. Today is DFS. One hundred nine laps around this. 2.28 mile road course for 248.520 miles. We've alluded to it before, especially in the betting episode. There will be stage cautions in this, which means you will have a variety of strategies. So trying to pick leaders for this one, trying to pick a lot of things for this one will have you absolutely going batty because I'm telling you right now, we had, we identified some stuff in the betting episode, but for DFS purposes, this is probably going to be one of the more frustrating slates you will ever encounter. Yeah, I think that this is going to be uh, to a degree almost like like picking a, a super speedway, just like we kind of talked about with the bets, because there's a lot of factors that go into this. Sure, Tyler Reddick, maybe he, he qualifies fast and he starts on the pole and, and he leads all of stage one. But after that, once he starts flipping the stages... Is he going to keep leading any laps after that? Is he going to get back up to the front if he decides to take the stage points? Does he take stage points in both stages? Does he take stage points in one stage? Who who does take stage points? Who doesn't take stage points? Uh, there are so many varying factors in here that it's going to be really tough this week to nail down You know who does what and, and what works for who. And, and then on top of that, actually picking the cars that end up up front and and surviving the chaos and like we said this could be multiple overtimes and we get crazy restarts and so you got to find guys that survive all that because sure if you find the guy that drives second place all day long until the last overtime and then he gets spun out and he finishes in 32nd well he didn't really get you any points throughout the day then did he so makes it tough um laps led obviously a factor but only 109 laps so that's not going to be as big of a key and again um and I'll, I'll kind of make the case when we get to my top driver. I think the reason I'm going to play him is I think he could lead a lot of laps, but I think you've got to be careful if you're getting guys that end up points racing because they might lead some laps for a little bit, but then once they get behind the eight ball on, on not flipping the, the stages, 
they're not going to get back up there and lead those laps again. Is their result going to be as good? Uh, there's so many factors to weigh into building DFS this week. It's it's going to make it tricky, which in turn makes it fun, of course, because that's that's always exciting. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a wild one uh, this weekend. And then again, all the strategy, all that stuff. Then you throw in what could be a chaotic ending if we get cardboard on the track, if we get a bunch of overtimes. That that could be like a super speedway where your your entire lineup changes a hundred times as far as the the swinging of the points there in the last lap or, or a few laps. And really, what we've seen too over the course of these road course races and and with Indy and all that, it's place differential is not especially at the top. It, it's not a big factor either. So you're going for finishing positions. You're going for the potential to lead laps, maybe turn a few fastest laps because. Where they where they qualify, especially up the top, you know, with these guys like Denny Hamlin and all that, it, it's not you can only lose points in, in certain situations for these guys. So, um, yeah, you're gonna have to identify the, the at least the good finishing positions uh, for sure for these guys, and just hope that they don't lose too many positions in the process, or at the very uh, least, lead some laps going into it as well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that that's what you're up against here. For this track, that's what we're up against in this race. I think it's uh, close to getting time to being able to give you those favorite plays. But before we do, as I keep pushing buttons, let me tell you about game time. Buying tickets is absolutely a disaster anymore. This world has made it so frustrating to buy tickets that you almost don't want to do it. I miss the days where you could walk up to the counter and purchase a ticket and not have to one pay convenience fees and all that other stuff. And then doubly so when you're buying it for most of these ticket apps, these convenience fees, they're very inconvenient. I'll tell you that much right now. So stop all of that. There is one app that has made all of this just a moot point now and a thing of the past, and that's game time. If you buy tickets from game time, purchase those tickets, you're going to have a much better experience. And not to mention you're going to do it in a lesser amount of time. So let's say you don't know whether or not you get to go to your favorite concert, your favorite sporting event, your favorite comedy show, whatever it could be until the day before, until the same day. Who knows? I don't know your schedule. But if you find out late and you need to buy tickets, most of the time you're stressing out because you don't know if you're going to get gouged. You don't know if you're going to find tickets. That's all right. Game time is going to give you great deals on last-minute tickets to make that purchase a lot less stressful and flash deals so you can even figure out whether or not you want to go based on a flash deal. You're going to get a game time guarantee as well. If you buy it on game time, your tickets are going to be on time and authentic, guaranteed. And if you find lower prices on the seat, game time is going to make up the difference 110% of it. Man, you can't even find a better deal than that. Plus, you're going to get your tickets straight to your phone. You won't have to fish through emails. You won't have to wait in the mail. And if you're buying them last minute, you won't even get them in the mail anyway. So all of that makes game time the perfect opportunity and the perfect app for you to buy tickets. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app. Create an account. Use code SGPN. You're going to get $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code SGPN for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Win bigger by betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, MLB, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. 
Enter any parlay into Hall of Fame Bet's Revolutionary Parlay Optimizer, and you're going to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as expected probability for the entire play. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot, which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark. Join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bet's to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bet's app or visit hofbets.com. Use promo code SGPN to get 50% off of your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bet's. Right, Cody, as we always do, we will begin with our high-priced drivers for this Bank of America Roval 400 DFS slate. Yeah, I am uh, just going straight to the top of the board. Talked about him in the betting episode. I think this is his weekend. I think this will be his day. Give me Chase Elliott, 10500 Most expensive guy on the board, Rod, uh, but for good reason. We've talked about it before, right? He's, he's kind of known as, as the road course ace, the road course king, all of that. But since we've been in the next-gen car, hasn't gotten it done on a, on a road course yet. Although, he's been pretty good at all the road courses, just not necessarily the dominant car like he was before. Um, but Rod, one that he should have won was this race last year. Obviously, the cardboard got him. We all know about that. Go ahead and take your shot for that mention of cardboard. <laughs> um, but last season, he led 30 laps. I mean, he had checked completely out of the field, was running away with it. Um, and I think, I, I well, actually, I, I'm almost certain he did do both. Uh, he did flip both, or not flip both stages. I think he took the stage points on both stages and still found his way up to the front. But again, not a guy. Now he is fourth in the, in the constructors championship, right? The owners uh, points. So there's a possibility they're racing for that. But I think if this team thinks they can win, that's, that's much more important. Uh, they still are viewing the, the championship for the car as important, but if you can get Chase Elliott back in victory lane, that's, that's the ultimate goal, right? So I don't think they flip the stages. I think he'll lead this. So, Chance he starts good and, and starts up front well, but I think he's going to find his way to the front, um, and I think he's going to lead a ton of laps. But you go back and you look at what he's done on the Roval here. So we're five races in, sixth place in the first race here. But then the second race, they came here in 2019. He led 35 laps, won the race. 2020, 27 laps he led, won the race. 2021, he only led two laps, and, and he finished 12th. But 2022, last year, like I said, he led 30 laps. Unfortunately, the finish ended up being 20th after the chaos there at the end. But... Chase Elliott's been good at this track. He's been good at road courses in general. Um, and even though, I, I again, I know that the, the road course win hasn't come yet. He's had some strong runs last year. Should have won a Watkins Glen. He dominated a lot there. Then Larson ends up getting him late. Um, he's one of the fastest car at Sonoma next to Larson last season. And then he had the, what was it? Larson had the tire come off, but Elliott had some pit road penalty or something that cost him. Uh, and so... There's, it's not like he's just been shit all of a sudden on road courses. He's still been good. He's still been fast. Uh, I think Chase Elliott's getting it done this weekend. I think he could do it in somewhat dominating fashion, much like he was doing just a year ago at this track. Um, and if we don't get that late, you know, again, that's going to be the biggest problem is if we get that late cardboard caution and it screws him over again. But if we don't get that or if he's able to survive it at the end, give me Chase Elliott all the way at the top of the board. 10,500. And, and another point, too, I want to make, I just think he's safer because you don't have to worry about it, right? You've got the Reddicks up there. You've got even the Larsons up there. And uh, we're going to talk about him in a minute. But those guys are a little bit more scary for me because 
are they going to points race? Are they going to try and flip these stages? I don't feel like it's it's as guaranteed of a production as you're going to get from Chase Elliott, who's got the opportunity to be one of the fastest cars, one of the best cars, hopefully starting up front, getting you a good finish, leading your laps, getting fastest laps all in the process. It must be freeing for him to just know that he's not worried about trying to win this championship. I mean, I know all things considered, he would rather be Brandon for the championship, but if you're just going to go out for a nice leisurely Sunday stroll, it's got to be a much more relaxing atmosphere to know that if I want to just go out and try to win this race, that's exactly what I'm going to try to do. And, And you're right. I mean, with this constructors championship, obviously it means a lot. It means a lot of money for these guys, but winning kind of get you with there faster than yeah. the points racing he's he's like i said he's fourth in that right now so he's he's if he can get a good finish he, he should be able to move i think either i don't have that in front of me i think it's like 22 points to the good or something so it's he's not super on the bubble he's not locked in either but i think that's that's kind of minimal in their mind when it comes to this if especially if they feel like they've got a chance to flip the stages and win the race uh, i think they're going to go that route yeah, I agree with you on that too. Again, and and I'll even take it one further because I know that you're a little bit about Kyle Larson. He's ten thousand dollars. I am going to take a chance on Kyle Larson on this DFS slate for a couple of different reasons. One, listen, he's only fifteen points ahead, uh, fifteen points to the good right now, as far as the playoff standings are concerned. I understand points racing, and I get that you know most teams really want to do this, but. If Kyle Larson is going to advance, the best chance for him to do it is right now with a win. I, I think if you're Kyle Larson, if you're that team, points racing gets so many of these guys in trouble. It, it just it seems to me like uh, most times when these guys are point race, especially on road courses, right, they get it wrong. And and Kyle Larson's been on the bad end of that too. As I know it was a tire, but if he would have stayed out in front. Would the pit crew have done differently? I don't know. There's a lot of different things, especially like we talked about in Sonoma with him uh, uh, having that problem. And for Kyle Larson, they are a road course team. They they are just as good as Chase Elliott on these road courses, right? It used to be that it was Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott in the same conversation as far as who's a good road course driver. So for me, I feel like this team doesn't want to mess around with points racing, and it shouldn't want to mess around with points racing. I think the safest way for Kyle Larson to do this is to do what they always do and just try to go out and win a race, right? And for Kyle Larson, that's doable, especially on this track. He has won uh, uh, on this track before. He won in 2021 after starting 10th. Um, And then even in 2018, the, the very first time around, he started fifth, led 47 laps in that 42 car, right? Ended up finishing 25th, but... He led 47 laps in a 109-lap uh, race, which is a damn good run. Um, he's led five laps and eight laps in the other two, respectively. Last year, we talked about it. He started 18th, finished 35th. Not really all that great here for him. Uh, but you look at what he's done so far on road courses this season. Hasn't been too much to write home about. Austin, he finished in 14th. Uh, go through with Sonoma, he finished 8th. Chicago, he finished 4th. Uh, Indy GP, he finished eighth. So not necessarily the most solid, but we're not looking for him to really win, I suppose, this race for DFS purposes. We just want him to have a good day as far as uh, DFS is concerned. This season, he's averaging 41.6 fantasy points per race. That is a very solid fantasy points per race. In fact, he is uh, fourth on the list behind Hamlin, Truex, and Byron as far as the best for the the price so you know for me 
he can get you 16 points like he did last week, or he can get you 53 like he did the week before that, or he can get you 110 like he did at Bristol. Like the the ceiling is high for Kyle Larson, and I understand the concerns as far as the points racing aspect of it, but wouldn't you just want to go out and win a race? Like I I, I just feel like for Kyle Larson and this team, winning this race would be more productive than going out and getting 10 stage points here or five stage points there. I don't know if I trust Cliff Daniels either. Like Cliff Daniels, one of the best crew chiefs in the garage, obviously, but it does seem like on road courses, anytime they've tried to play strategy games and like that was the same thing with the Sonoma deal last year where Suarez ended up winning that race with both him and Elliot. It was like, what are you doing? Like the strategies they tried weren't normal strategies. They were weird fucked up strategies and they did came nowhere obviously they had other issues later but they came nowhere close to being like they were going to work anyway so it was like uh so again yeah how much do you trust yourself how much do you want to have those points in your pocket to to try and make sure you're advancing that that's what scares me that's what's going to be interesting i will say i mentioned it right with chase elliott last year led a bunch of laps bad finish you mentioned it with larson in in 2018 led a bunch of laps bad finish some of these lineups you might want to make where you're just playing place differential. It might just be super speedway place differential. That could be not in your cash games probably, but some of these bigger GPP contests and stuff like that might be a safer way to go about this just because there could be so much chaos and we don't predicting who's going to do what strategy is so tough because like I made a case for Denny Hamlin on the, on the betting episode earlier this week. And then the more you think about it, it's like, well, if he's got the opportunity to get himself two stage points and carry those points forward because he's already locked or he's going to be locked in probably by the time we get to the stages. Like, do they just take that instead of trying to go for the win? And oh, there's so much that goes into this race. It's it's more than just racing each other and racing the track. You're also racing the strategies and the points and and the chaos that could potentially come. Like, just so many things that go into this. And I could understand if he was below the cut line to play a little, you know, a, a few more games here and there. But again, if you're 15 points up, it's not it's not a lot. Yeah, well, and that's yeah, like a Redick, right? He comes in below the cutoff. Now it's only two points, but he's still below. And so they've they've got to pay attention to the points more than Kyle. Kyle Larson still needs to pay attention to the points, obviously. But a guy like Redick, like notice he's not on either of our cards, even though he's probably the best super or the best road course racer right now in in the cup series in this next gen car he has been easily but it, it's it's just real scary with those guys because you don't know how they're going to handle it and and again it's going to depend on the situation they're in and then if reddick starts on the pole he's going to be an extremely popular play if he starts on the front row he's going to be an extremely popular play i'm going to fade it personally because i think he leads a ton of laps early but then he gets behind the field strategy wise to lead the two laps at the end of the stage stage two then you know when everybody pits but uh, so that's just just how I'm personally handling it. But you're gonna have to create your own narrative as far as the one of six thousand different ways this race could go. It's true, and we've built a couple of them. So uh, we'll get back to you on that tomorrow. We will bring you a underdog fantasy episode, heavy with our favorite underdog fantasy plays. But in the meantime, underdog fantasy's got a way to play alongside your favorite football team all season long or drive along with your favorite drivers. Underdog has just introduced Scorchers. Go five for five and pick them Scorchers. Enjoy a spicy 100 times payout. Underdog is matching your first deposit up to $100. 
Graphics a little behind, but that's all right. It's up to $100. $100,000 Sundays continues on Underdog Fantasy. 10 lucky players is going to win $10,000 each. Again, stick with us. Tomorrow we'll give you all of our favorite Underdog Fantasy plays for this slate. So watch along, drive along, make your picks, and maybe make a little cash over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up with the promo code SGPN, Underdog's going to double your first deposit up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code SGPN. Let's take a quick step down in price, and we will give you now our mid-tier driver suggestions for this slate. Cody, where are we going? Yes, next up for me, I'm going to go to Christopher Busher, $8,800. He's going to be my mid-tier guy. Another guy we talked about again on the betting episode, a guy that is just so freaking good at road courses, Rod. If you look, uh, trying to find it here, since the start of the 2020 season, Chris Buescher has the fourth best average finish of all drivers at 9.7 on the Roval. And on all road courses since 2020, Buescher has the second best average finish at 10.5. 10 top 10 finishes in 19 races. Last season, he was sixth here at the Roval. The season before, he finished third at the Roval. Um, and again, the last nine road course races in a row, 11th place or better. Eight of those nine, he's been inside the top 10 and 11th in that other one. Uh, he's just, he's a guy that's consistently getting, again, this is much, uh, much like Austin Hill. They're almost the same driver in different series. And it's kind of funny because they're both kind of like the country guy that's kind of, you know, a little quiet or not super flashy, but they just deliver you fucking results and they get you wins and they get you good fit. Like, that's what you're going to get out of Chris Busher. Going to lead a ton of laps? Probably not. Can he? Sure, he absolutely could. But um, what is his. I think he is uh, his points. Let me pull. I'm trying to pull that up. Busher right now. He's at uh, 19 to the good right now. Okay. So yeah. So he's sitting pretty decent, anyways. Um, why do they have weird? The NASCAR app is strange. But anyways, yeah. So yeah, 19 points to the good. That's a pretty good situation for him to be in. Um, you know, after stage one, depending on if some people have fallen out or whatever, if he scores some points there, I- I'm not too concerned about what his strategy ends up being because I think. By the end of the race, he's just going to have you a solid finish. That's all you're looking. You're not looking for him to lead you a bunch of laps. You're not looking for him to to uh, win the race necessarily for this. You just need him to get you a nice solid finish. And nine races in a row on road courses, top 11. The last two times here, he's sixth and third. So, uh, again, he's one of the better, as far as consistency-wise, he's one of the best at road courses. I just read off the stats, right? He's fourth best since 2020 on all the road courses or fourth best at the Roval, second best at all the road courses since 2020. Just consistently get you the good finishes. No wins in that span. No bunch of laps led or anything like that, but going to be there at the end. Going to get you that good finish. That's what you're looking for out of a guy at this price. So give me Chris Buescher, 8,800. Yes, Chris Buescher is always a good DFS play. He's almost turning into the Kevin Harvick of of the DFS. and You get yeah. kind of free square for him as, as a top 10 finisher. So Definitely yeah. like that. Um, I'm stepping down a little bit farther. I'm going to Joey Logano, who, again, is one of the hardest guys to handicap. But as far as DFS is concerned, a GPP play, if ever there was one. I'm a little disappointed in him overall. Obviously, he's a little disappointed in, in overall this season. He's he's really come back with a title defense that fell flat. Obviously, not in the playoffs anymore. So, for him, 
I mean, we want to talk about points racing. He doesn't care about points now. He really does just want to go out and go after the win. Something that has eluded him on the uh, Roval altogether. But he did start on the pole last season, led 27 laps before he fell back to an 18th place finish. But again, he was actually chasing after a championship last season, which, you know, we talk about points racing. That's, that's kind of what happens to these guys. They start on the pole. They don't get the right call, and then they end up finishing 18th. But before that, a 7th place finish and a 2nd place finish on the Roval uh, to go along with a couple of top 10 finishes as far as the Roval is concerned as well. Um, really, his average finish here is 9.4. So in those four attempts, he's been solid on these on this Roval. I mean, if nothing else, you can say whatever you want about him all over the place, but on this Roval, he actually has been pretty solid. And if you look at where he falls within the realm of the top drivers on this Roval. He falls only behind Tyler Reddick as the second best driver on this Roval, tied with Alex Bowman for second in that category, by the way, an average finish. Tyler Reddick, a 7.3 average finish for him. Joey Logano, 9.0 since 2020. So again, these guys very, very solid on this Roval altogether. If I read off his road course finishes to you, you're probably going to go, ew, but I'll do it anyways. Uh, 10th place at Watkins Glen, 30th at the Indy Road, or 34th rather at the Indy Road Course, eh, 3rd at Sonoma, 28th at Coda, 18th at the Roval last year, 3rd at Watkins Glen, 6th at the Indy Road Course last year, 27th at Road America. I mean, look, it's not sexy. It's going to make you probably sick to your stomach to put him in a few of your lineups, but if the if the ceiling is a second place finish like he did in 2020, I'll take that. Even if it's a seventh place finish like he did with four laps led in 2021, I'll even take that. So for Joey Logano, he's not going to be popular. He's not going to he's not going to have a ton of people on him. So in a GPP situation, if he can't get you a decent amount of points, uh, I think you're going to separate yourself very well, especially $8,200. Yeah, I think he'll be. Again, a different play. A lot of people aren't going to be on him because it's really going on road courses. But again, hardest guy to predict week in and week out. So I, I got nothing else for you, on <laughs> Joey. I I just never know which way to go with him. And and that's the, and that's why <laughs> when you go yeah, for guys, why, like yeah, that. I hardly I don't play him very often because, ah, uh, yeah, sure he could be good, but he could also fucking suck because you know. And so again, in in those GPPs where you're trying to. Trying to make that difference, I think he is a good play. And, you know, that's the thing about DFS, too. And we we probably, I mean, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it because people here play DFS and they know the, the situation. But uh, if you don't, and if you don't bet, like, the difference between it is, for, for DFS purposes, it'll blow up one lineup. Uh, hopefully that's not your only lineup. And we tell you always, play a couple of lineups and differentiate yourself. But if Joey Logano tanks, he only tanks in one lineup, right? Whereas if you bet on Joey Logano to finish top 10, and he doesn't finish top 10, he blows your whole day. So, like, have more than one lineup when you're doing these things because if Joey Logano tanks one lineup, okay, he tanks one lineup. You still have five or six more to go. Or if you're somebody who does 150, 150 more to go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah. And, again, and you know, in betting, you're you're just betting, a, you know, you're betting what you think he does, whereas in DFS, you – You've got to use some strategy because you're playing against a, a pool of people and, and there's so many other people you have to beat. And so when Joel, a guy like Joey Gano is not going to be a popular pick, then being able to differentiate yourself there and have him and he can be the difference maker for you. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, Joey Logano just finished fourth. Like, who the fuck saw that coming? And like, yeah, sure, you probably didn't see it coming, but it worked out for you in your lineup because you played him to be different. And 
and you knew he had the capability of doing it. So it's uh, it is a good strategy to play for sure. All right, we're gonna take steps down even further and give you our low price drivers of the slate. I recognize one name on there. I I, I think his picture is about to make a an instant appearance on this uh, on this broadcast. But Cody, who do we got? Next up for me, Rod. Here is the picture, of course, making its appearance like it always does. <laughs> Corey LaJoy, again, talked about him on the betting episode, um, about him being a long shot top 10 finish, and that's what makes him a great DFS play. He's got the capability of doing that. Uh, case in point, last year, chaotic finish at the end. Corey LaJoy finished in 12th place. Uh, I mean, really, that's probably about as far as you need to go. Like, that's what he has the capability of doing. 5,800, again, still super cheap. and. He can deliver you good points. Rod gave him out on this show. Or no, wait, we didn't because we didn't pick. I was I would have picked him last week, but we did the the wheel. But 73.2 points for you at Talladega. Probably not gonna do that this weekend, but he's again just delivers you really, really good results. You go back through his his deal here. Uh the Indianapolis road course, he did have a, a bad day where he got you negative two points. Uh and then back in New Hampshire got you negative point six. But otherwise, like he's really he gets you points every week. And a lot of weeks are good points, 17, 20, 22, 22, a 65, a 13, but then a 44, get some 35s in there. I mean, he he's delivering for you. Go back and you look. Uh, I mean, before last year, not good finishes. The Roval, but that was, you know, Spire before the next gen car. That was go fast racing. It's hard to look at that too much. And what really stands out to me, if you look, uh, starting at the Indy road course last season, as far as road courses go, Things really changed for the better for LaJoy. Um, 18th place, he finished there. 27th at Watkins Glen, but then 12th at the Roval. This year, 11th place at Coda. 20th at Sonoma. Even Again, even 20th is just fine for a guy that's this cheap. He was 29th at the Indy Road Course. And the only reason he got you negative points that day is he qualified really good. Roddy qualified at 14th. So that's where he got scored from. He did have to start in the back, though, because of... Uh, they had to change something, uh, unapproved adjustments. They got sent to the back. That was also no no caution flat or no cautions for the stages. Everything was getting strung out. So there wasn't really. This is going to be so much different than those races because they're bunching everybody back up. Things are going to be flipped. Guys like Corey LaJoy are going to be in front of Tyler Reddicks and Kyle Larson's and stuff at the end of these stages because they're going to have not flipped the stage or they're going to have flipped the stage. Whereas those guys stayed out, get the points or whatever the deal is. Um, and something too to that to the flipping stage points, like the people aren't trying to point their way into the playoffs anymore, too. So that's something to keep in mind as far as you know, in the past you'd have guys like a Corey LaJoy would stay out to try and get those 10 points because they could mean a lot for getting into the top 30 or whatever the deal was. Not to worry about all that. But anyways, good finishes. Um, and then like I talked about on the betting episode when I talked about LaJoy. He can get, start well, too. He's been qualifying really well. He's qualified well in the last couple of road courses. Um, and, and that's not going to help him place differential-wise, but it could get him a better track position to start. If he can hold on to it and deliver at the end of the day, uh, he doesn't... I think sometimes people get scared off uh, when guys start fairly deeply and, and they're afraid to to play him. I mean, you go back and you look at, like, Michigan, he, he qualified... Oh, wait, that was... The, I was looking at the numbers backwards there. But you go back to Bristol a couple weeks ago, um, he started 10th, and so a lot of people are like, well, 5,500, how are you going to play somebody? But he finished 25th, wasn't the best day of the world, but still scored you 20.3 points. Like, Still had a nice, solid day for you. 
Um, even at Watkins Glen, where he started in 10th, he finished 20th, but still scored you 13 points. Again, not losing you a ton of points, and that's that's a big positive when you get down to this low, but he's got that upside of the 12th place finish last year, and, and I think that we're going to see another solid week from Corey LaJoy. Obviously, things are progressing quickly in that Spire camp, right? There's big, big steps going on, making a lot of money. They got a lot of money coming in. You're seeing that performance on the track. You're seeing that in qualifying. They're looking forward to continuing to grow, and I think they're already working on that this season. So Corey LaJoy, 5,800 is my uh, cheap play of the week for you. Corey LaJoy. Stop us if you heard that one before. Uh, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, for DFS purposes, I mean, that's the type of play you want, right? Especially $5,800, a guy with uh, severe upside like Corey LaJoy has. Um, all right, my next one, I'm not going quite as low, but I'm going to definitely go low. And and I mean, I knew you were going to take LaJoy, so I definitely didn't, uh, didn't want to go lower than that. But Ryan Priest at $6,300, I know Stuart Haas is... Uh, Plug your, plug your nose and play type of a situation. But here's the thing about Ryan Priest, especially on this Roval, right? And we're talking about place, place differentials hard to come by. But for Ryan Priest, not necessarily because on this track, last season especially in that 37 car, he started 31st, finished 19th. There's some pretty decent place differential for you. Uh, obviously didn't lead any laps, didn't have any fast laps, but still got you some place differential points. Uh, last season in particular. I'm not really going to go too much farther back in the Roval because obviously his finishes aren't that great. Uh, or I mean, his, his starting positions aren't that great. 18th and 14th is what he started and finished at in that 37 car. The first season that he ran it, started 14th, uh, finished 21st. He's at speed to be around the front regardless of where he's at. In fact, that first year he was in the 47 car uh, where he started 14th and finished 22nd, but or 27th rather. Uh, but so far this season, Austin was a pretty bad race for him. He started 26th, crashed out of that one. Um, but Sonoma, pretty decent DFS day. Started 22nd, finished 13th. And then Chicago started 28th, finished 15th. A couple of good road course finishes for him there. Indy GP, not much doing. He started 30th, finished 31st, but first. But Watkins Glen started 30th. Finished 17th. Uh, a couple of good DFS days for you there uh, to turn that into. So to put that in perspective as far as uh, what we're talking about as far as uh, uh, points for that. 39 points at Watkins Glen. Again, 9 points for you at, uh, at the uh, Brickyard, but not a good day for you as well. Uh, 41 points for you in Chicago. 39 points in Sonoma. Again, he's a pretty solid road course finisher uh even though he starts poorly so for what $6,300 you'll definitely take a 35 36 even a 40 point day out of Ryan Priest so I like Ryan Priest this week for DFS purposes yeah I no argument from me here again probably a guy that's not going to be super popular too so I do like the uh the difference of that Rod, we're pretty good at this. Uh, we we did not plan this out, but $100 left if you were to enter this lineup. So, God, we're, we're just, we're on it. I mean, we haven't done how many of these now? I just, it's been yeah, one or two. We do, we've talked about this once or twice before. Yeah, and and what's crazy is that, so for that, you can get both Elliott and Larson in a lineup, right? I mean, that's, that's something that people aren't probably going to try to do, so... Yeah, and that's it's always like, road courses are just so tough because there's only so many, you know, like max points, dominator points. Like you kind of if you're gonna play both of them, you you got to get it to line up where they each lead like half the race, 
and they finish first and second, which I've seen them do it before, and they could, but that's uh, yeah, that's tough to to do that. But that shows you, right? That's getting the two biggest guys in there, and and how good of a lineup you didn't have to dip that far. Like Lejoy is not going down to the guys all the way at the bottom, and and a priest is a pretty solid, you know, punt play or or cheaper play, whereas you're not going all the way down to the bottom of the guys that just again don't offer a ton of upside all the way at the bottom there. So. Uh, yeah, I think these are these are some pretty good plays this week. Yeah, and listen, there's there's just no way you're going to feel comfortable with a Balicki, a Dylan, even an Andy Lally in this one. I, I made a case for him on the betting episode, so I, I probably should have put him in there. But yeah. you know. I mean, it's worth uh, you know, it's in your chaos lineup, it's worth it, right? You yeah. wanna you wanna do a super speedway, I, and I probably will. I'll probably go in and and build a, a lineup or two that's act like I'm building a super speedway lineup just because. I think there could be so much chaos, but ugh, hopefully it doesn't turn completely into that. <laughs> Fingers crossed, my friend. Fingers yes. crossed. Um, all right. Get out your pen and paper. We'll go over our plays for this DFS slate. Cody started you out with Chase Elliott at 10500 I threw in his teammate Kyle Larson at 10000 even. Cody gave you Chris Busher at $8,800. Uh, I gave you Joey Logano at 8200 Cody gave you Corey LaJoy at 5800 and then I gave you Ryan Priest at sixty three hundred. However, I want to know who Beecher is um, in the in the dock. <laughs> I think autocorrect hit, uh, hit yeah. Cody hard. I, I recently got a new phone, and for whatever reason, I don't know why they you know it doesn't it doesn't learn the words that I'm used to typing, so it keeps keeps correcting my names when I'm typing things. God damn! You're like, listen, no, I want Busher, not no, Beecher. I want Busher in here. Jeez, I don't know who Beecher know. is, but I'll put him in the lineup as well. Um, all right. That'll do it for the DFS episode this week. Hopefully you guys go out and build yourself some fun DFS lineups and uh, hopefully you cash. Uh, that, that's really the ultimate goal of this. But more importantly, enjoy the race. This one will be a fun one, I suppose. I, I still hate the Roval, but hopefully it gives us a good race. I'm willing to admit when it's a good race, even though I hate the track. So um, hopefully I'll be eating my words and we'll all be cashing uh, on, on our DFS and our betting lineup. So, all right, Cody, as we send everybody off, into the sunset on their Friday evenings. Uh, why don't you remind everyone where they can find you on social media? Follow me on X at Husker underscore Zeb. Rod, we're doing our underdog show tomorrow, so uh, for Saturday, so we won't won't have Xfinity plays on there. But I have an all Xfinity lineup or all Xfinity picks that I've tweeted out or I've posted on X. Oh, God, so many words. Uh, but it's all Xfinity drivers. Uh, this was a, this is a pretty fun one. So go over to my ex at Oscar underscore Z. You can get that there and, and tell me on it because uh, this yeah this is a fun one. I like this. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. Yep. I mean those are all the bonuses that you can find. So yeah, follow Cody on X at Husker underscore Zeb. Follow me on X at RJ Via Gomez. Link at the bottom. Everything I got going on, whether it's here, make sure you check out In Between Media, The Back Road, Seth and Elliot breaking down the Roval for you as well. Catch me later on today. You can actually probably find it by the time you listen to this at For Frequency's Sake. I got Fast Money coming out as well. Back tomorrow, Underdog Fantasy, a special Saturday edition of the NASCAR Gambling Podcast. Enjoy, everyone. Until then, let's go racing and let it ride. Another piece of love.